Uh, but I lived life alone for many years. I didn't live life around wrong company. I just lived life uh, with no company uh, and was fine with it. Like me and my wife started a family at a very young age, and we were great. Uh, and we had many acquaintances, um, but not many friends. Uh, and so out of that, you know, lots of fines. How many of you have lots of fines in your life? How are you doing? I'm fine. Uh, but it's a lie. You're not really fine. Uh, but you just don't want to get intimate and transparent with somebody. Uh, and so lots of uh, acquaintances, very few friends. And I was reading the book of Genesis one day. And we were having life groups in the church and all those kinds of things. And, you know, I'd, I'd talk about it. But I was reading the book of Genesis one day. And I saw that the first thing that God said was, not good. Like everything up to this point in scripture is like, it's good. And he's looking at creation. Good, good, good. And then he gets to man and he watches him alone. And it's the first not good in the history of scripture. The first not good was not Adam and Eve for eating the forbidden fruit. The first not good in scripture was God seeing that his son was alone. You need community. When Judas fell, he fell alone. When Peter fell, he fell in a group. That the only difference between Judas and Peter was one fell alone by himself. Look, look throughout Scripture. Uh, when Samson lost accountability, when Saul thrust out every other person in his life, um, the people who made it well, David, Paul, incredibly connected. David had Jonathans and Abigails and Samuels, and uh, Paul had, you know, multiple people he could call on, Timothy and, you know, John Mark and, like, all of these other people he would write to, Aquila and Priscilla and you name them. Incredibly connected. And I want to ask you, do you have those types of connections in your life? And somebody's like, well, I tried a group before and it just wasn't me. Well, have you tried a restaurant before and it wasn't you? Did you give up on all restaurants? Like, no, you didn't give up on all restaurants. Uh, so you, you find, uh, you keep going to groups until you find your group. But you need your group. You need your tribe. You need your people. Uh, and it will require getting out of your comfort zone, but that's where the best things of life always are. You should never get out of your strength zone. You should always get out of your comfort zone. Uh, make yourself available. Open yourself up. Become a life group leader, a connect group leader, whatever it is that you call them uh, here at City Light. Uh, like get in a group, lead a group. Uh, if you're, you're playing basketball, it, yeah, I tell my, and this is what the Lord helped me with. It's, it's not about adding something new. It's about adding something to. Uh, so what I mean by that is find a group that you just naturally do that. You have coffee. Go have coffee with a group and talk about service. Like add something to your life uh, that's there. But you need community. We need each other. How many of you know one can put a thousand of flight, but two can put 10,000? Woe unto anybody who falls alone. Come on, right? Like we need each other. And I know it can be a little scary or maybe a little inconvenient, uh, but get in a group and at least try to find the right one. And uh, if you do, I promise you, you'll be glad you did. And me and my wife are extraordinarily glad that we did. We have friends uh, all over the world now, but even in our church, uh, men that I have um, just become very connected with and amazed at the quality of life it brings. In fact, just yesterday, one of them texted me and said, I need prayer. I'm going through a really hard time uh, and just wrestling with uh, some depression and wrestling with some anxiety. Um, he's a, um, a president in his uh, organization, uh, but he's got a friend. Uh, that he can open up with and get prayer and get counsel. And what if we had that? How many of you know if all you do with the balloon is keep putting pressure in it, but you never let any out of it? 
uh, eventually there'll be a tightness and then a pop. And if you're sensitive to the tightness, you'll uh, avoid the consequence of the pop. But if you are feeling the, the tightness, but you are not adjusting the pressure to get something out of you and not pay, paying attention to the tension, the tension is there, but you're not paying attention to the tension. You are numbing the tension instead of nourishing it. Oh, come on, somebody. This is not even the message, but we might just keep going in this direction. Uh, how many of you know there's a difference between numbing and nourishment? Uh, that Netflix can numb you, uh, but then you, you, you wake up from it and you don't feel better than when you started because it, it numbed the pain. It didn't heal it, though. Uh, and so out of that, um, we, we have to find uh, these ways of paying attention to the tension, noticing when we are in pain. I'm, I'm so thankful of the awareness that now a generation is paying attention to emotional uh, intelligence and emotional health. Uh, I think previous generations and a lot of what my father wrestled with, honestly, uh, he wouldn't have had to wrestle with that uh, if he would have wrestled with it in the context of community. Um, and how many of you know a, a joy shared is doubled? Uh, it's like if you, it's one thing to go to Disney World by yourself, like you're only going to experience so much joy, uh, but you take a good friend or a child, uh, joy shared is doubled. A pain shared is halved. Um, and, and so out of that, we need, we need people in our lives so that we can share our joys, but we need people in our lives who can halves our pains. Uh, and, and out of that, you need it. Um, and anything that you need, you have to fight for. Anything that's bad for you comes easily, right? Uh, you know, if it's bad for you, uh, it comes easily to you. Uh, anything that truly heals you or nourishes you, you have to be like the woman with the issue of blood who, number one, knows she has an issue. Number two, will press through anything to get to healing. And number three, when she gets there, will stretch forth her hand. So you, you've got to come to a place where you know, I've got an issue, and it's not getting better. In fact, it's getting worse, and I'm going to pay attention to the tension, and I'm getting out of my house. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm getting out of my house. I need to get into community. Uh, and so I will exit my house if need be, and I will press through some things. And maybe in this season, you're going to have to press through uh, some things. Maybe there's some relationships that did hurt you. Um, uh, maybe there were some friends who did betray you. Maybe you've tried it before and it didn't work, and you have to press through that discouragement and press through those thoughts and press through those fears, press through those insecurities. Um, maybe you're going to have to press through all those things, but press through it, and then you're going to have to make a decision to stretch forth your hand, actually attend the group. <laughs> and when you get in there, uh, have a group outside the group where you begin to even begin to dive in deeper into uh, community. Jesus had a group of 12, and out of that group of 12, he found three that he went further with. The Bible says he went a little further with them, and he showed a, a part of himself to them that the 12 did not see. You remember the transfiguration? He comes up to a mountain, and he shows a part of himself that he didn't show to everybody else. Uh, and so you, it may start off with a group, and then out of that you find a connection, and then out of that you show a part of yourself that you're not showing everyone else because it's safe, and then all of a sudden life begins to heal. Wow. Come on. And life begins to be free, and life begins to... 
uh, to be beautiful. Uh, God designed life to be beautiful. He designed romance and laughter and friendship and joy. And out of that, we have taught so long on avoiding bad company that we have a whole lot of people with no company. <laughs> I'm telling you, nobody is just as bad as the wrong body because everybody needs somebody. Uh, and you've got to, to make up your mind uh, to get in the context of community. We all need it. I need it. Uh, you need it. And I want to encourage you, find a group. Uh, extend yourself. And I know at this church, because I, like I said, I listen every week. We come a little early. We stay a little late. And we get involved. Uh, and that's uh, a wonderful thing. Um, but even outside of that, um, if you are only feeding your spirit uh, one snack a, a week and one meal a week and feeding your body three times a day, um, I, I would wonder how strong of a spirit that would be. And, and we need uh, more. Uh, we need more. We need church, but we need the community that can be found in church, the disciplines that are found in church. And I, I really just want to echo that and say, get in a group, like sign up today, scan the barcode, go to the tent uh, and find your people. Um, you know, I, I find this very interesting. And like I said, this is honestly not the message, but how many of you know, sometimes... <laughs> What's not the message is the message. Uh, and, um, you know, we need a strong your faith. Um, like your faith has made, has made you whole was a common phrase that Jesus used. Your faith. You need a your faith. You need to know how, how, what David did to encourage yourself with the Lord when no one else is there. In fact, everyone else wants to stone you. Like you need a, a moment of your faith that is big enough to be like, you know what? I don't even need the worship team today. I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. Like you need a your faith where you stand up and you have strong conviction. Uh, but not only do you need a your faith, you need a their faith. There was a man in scripture who wrestled with an issue for 38 years. Uh, he could not move his legs. And the worst thing about this man's condition was this. He could sense the stirring of the waters. He knew there was a miracle, but he could never get in it. So I don't know what's worse, to have an issue for 38 years and it go unfixed, or to have the issue for 38 years, but to have the hope that it could be. And so you're not only dealing with the pain of a broken leg uh, and a broken body, but you're dealing with the pain of a broken heart. And Jesus came up to this man, he asked him a very interesting question. You remember the question they asked him? You remember what he asked him? Do you want to get well? Now, that's a question, isn't it? Do you really want to get well? Uh, and the man, I preached a message on this at my church called Lame Excuses. Uh, because he was lame and he made excuses. Uh, so out of this, uh, uh, he said, um, this is interesting to me. And I never really thought about it in this context until now. Um, but he said this, he said, I have no man who can put me in. I have nobody in my life who can pick me up and put me in. I can sense a miracle. I know it's there. I know there's freedom. I know life doesn't have to be this way. I feel a stirring. I sense it can change. I believe it can be there, but I have no man. And every time I try to do this by myself, I miss my miracle every time. 
Every time I try to do this myself, I miss the miracle every time. And year after year, I still sense the stirring. I'm still in the service where they're talking about the stirring. I still sense in my heart an abundance of rain, like I'm praying and I sense God can do something. I know he can. I'm just not seeing it in my life because I have no man to put me in. There's another guy in scripture with the exact same condition. You remember this guy? Sick of palsy, just like this other guy was. Difference in this guy's life is he had four friends. Same issue, four friends. And when they heard of Jesus, they picked him up and said, we will not allow you to stay in this condition. We will not just allow you to sense a miracle, hear about a miracle, know that God's a God of miracles. We will not stop until you see a miracle and healing come in your life. And they picked him up because how many of you know sometimes you need somebody who can pick you up and not just an Uber ride, like your soul is downcast. And out of this, you know you need a breath of fresh air and you need some people in your life who've been like, no, you're not fine. Like, how are you fine? Like, stop lying. You're not fine. You're not okay. Um, Like, if we don't admit these things and, and bring truth to them, we're still bound. Uh, 95% truth with 5% lie is still bondage. And this is why we don't have freedom, because we're too afraid to tell the truth. We're still like Adam in the garden, wanting to hide our nakedness before God and before others. He didn't want Eve to see him, and he didn't want God to see him. So he walked around covering himself, not, really, not letting anybody see his issues, anybody to see his shame, anyone to feel his insecurities. And he lived this way uh, because uh, Satan knew that this was what God wanted, is God wanted man to not be alone, uh, that him being alone was not good. And so Satan sought to attack the very thing uh, that God wanted to give Adam, and that was a relationship with him and a relationship with someone else. So after sin, without anyone telling him he was naked, you remember God asked him, he said, who told you that? He said, no one. No one told him that. It was the own shame in him that made him see, now there's a part of me I need to hide from Eve. And there's a part of me that I need to have hide from God. Anybody ever watch Shrek? Any Shrek fans in the house? I saw a Rugrats shirt uh, on the drummer. I'm like, that blessed me, a child of the 90s. Uh, So... Shrek, you remember in Shrek, uh, the onion? He's like, people are like onions. We have layers. Yeah, some of you have watched Shrek. Uh, They have layers. And did you know that that's true, that there's a part of me uh, that you only see? You see my Sunday morning me. Uh, And that's true, you do. And I I try to make it uh, decent, Uh, you know, and that kind of thing. And honestly, there's a a measure of pride in me that always wants to be... um, Good. I don't know if you've ever faced that as a communicator. There's that measure of wanting to be impressive. Uh, And so we we try to look our best and act our best and prepare our best. And then God makes us incredibly insecure by taking us entirely away from our notes. Um, But there (laughs) there is uh, a part of us uh, that... Yeah, (laughs) so so there's a a part of us uh, that, uh, you know, you will see. 
And then there's that next level that I have some acquaintances, people who know me a little bit better. So like Pastor uh, Jabin will know me a little bit more than maybe some of you in here. We've shared a little bit more conversations and that type of thing. And there's that next layer uh, that Pastor Jabin doesn't see. But then like I might have some other people who know me a little bit more. And then there's a layer that my mom has seen. Uh, and uh, we won't talk about that. Uh, and then a, a layer that my wife and my children have seen. Uh, and then there's a layer of me that only the Lord has seen. Wow. Wow. Oh, come on, somebody. Wow. Uh, anybody else in the room have a layer? Um, but uh, what happens is, is we, we deal with still trying to put on uh, this robe uh, to hide our wounds. And we make everyone else uh, the scapegoat. Uh, and these types of things. Uh, it's very interesting after Adam tried to hide himself, um, the Lord came and said, you did okay with that covering, but we need to actually take that off, and I need to see you, and so does Eve, and then I need to make a sacrifice, a scapegoat, someone who can die for your faults and failures, and instead of you being covered by something you concocted in your own mind and with your own hands, let me cover you with something that died for you. And ever since then, man's tried to look for a scapegoat. Um, someone else who will pay the price for their sins. So it wasn't me, it was them. If I didn't have that in my childhood, if I didn't have that happen to me, if they didn't walk out on me like that. Because we always seek, it's in our nature to find a scapegoat. And we begin blaming a lot of times people and places and events and placing the blame of our sin on them and letting them pay the price for our sins. And we push these things because you know the, the scapegoat would die and then they would throw the, the sin lamb out of the camp. And when that lamb would leave in the Old Testament, he would leave with the sin. And so oftentimes we try to put the blame of all of our sins on all these other people and we steadily one by one eliminate them from our lives. Because if you didn't talk to me that way, I wouldn't have talked to you that way. And so you're actually the reason for my sin. You're the scapegoat. Let my sin be on you. But uh, the consequence of this is, one, we're not walking in true freedom because we're going back to Adam's leaves instead of going back to, to the true measure of God, which was being covered by something that died for us and a robe of righteousness. But the second consequence of this is we steadily but surely have less and less people who are close to us. Uh, because there is a measure of truth that there are some people who, if they wouldn't have said that, done that, acted that way, or not acted that way, uh, not been present, which is very interesting. I read a book on fatherhood this week. What time is it? Okay. I read a book. (laughs) Got 11 minutes. Read a book on fatherhood uh, this week. And one of the main things that was, was very interesting about people who said they had good fathers I was expecting it to talk about more about love and fun. And they asked these people, did you have a good father? And they're like, yes. They asked other people, did you have a good father? They said no. And then they wanted to go deeper and ask, why did you have a good father? Or why did you not have a good father? And the ones who said they had a good father said that their father, the the number one characteristic they used for a good father, this is interesting, was there. The second characteristic was teacher 
had something to do with teaching. They taught me how to ride a bike, taught me how to swing a baseball bat, that type of thing. The third characteristic was love, but it only got like two of the votes. And the last one was fun. And it's very interesting to me of like how high we try to raise the standard in our own lives of like, you need to be a loving and fun father, which is true. We need to be loving and fun fathers and we should strive for that. Uh, But did you know, uh, you know, I I know so many of us are trying to be something that we never saw. And how many of you know we need more grace for each other because it's very hard to be something you've never seen. Like it's very hard uh, to never have seen it and be told to be it. Um, It's easier to imitate. Wear this, strive for this, but it's like, uh, you know, here's a style that you've never seen before. Craft it and wear it on Sunday. It's like, I don't even know where to start. And that's so many with fatherhood. That we've taken the bar and we've made it so high, and it's, you've got to be a fun father, and you've got to be a loving father, you know, and all these things. And that's good. It should be strove for. But did, did you know that there matters more than anything? Just showing up. I found that with the gym, right? It's like... <laughs> Did you work out today? Did you have a good workout today? I showed up today. Like, that was a victory in and of itself. Showing up is the win. Uh, So, you know, out of these things, uh, a lot of that's with fatherhood. But so many of our issues is we really have had people who weren't there. And that was their biggest sin. And so there is some truth in that, that out of that, if they had been there, we wouldn't be acting this way. And so in the natural, there does seem like a part of my sin does need to be on them. Because if they would have been there, I wouldn't have acted that way. And Jesus would come to us and he would would just say, I think very gently and sweetly is, can I be your scapegoat? Can I be your scapegoat? I'll close with this if we can get some keys. I think that would help. Sometimes keys really help. Uh, you know, right? Like you're there and it's like they, they, they start talking and it's like the music plays and it's like, ah, that helps. Uh, we'll close with this and, and go into the, the altar call. But I think Jesus would come to us and say just that. Could I be your scapegoat today? Could you stop blaming everyone else for your sin? and your actions, and your hurts, and your pains, and your hang-ups. I've had no man, the paralytic said, making an excuse for why he hadn't seen freedom. I have no man, no body, no person. Not seeing Jesus in front of him. (laughs) Had the master, the healer, right in front of him. And he's still looking at the people he did not have. Why are you here, no man? They weren't there. And Jesus is like, but I'm here. And today, like I know some of you are wrestling with things not working out the way that you thought they would and people not being the people you thought they would be. And some of that betrayal is, is so heavy on our hearts because like David said, if it was an enemy, I could have bore it. 
but someone that close to me who hurt me that badly. You become like Saul where it's like even the people who are in my life who really love me, I don't even know why I'm doing it, but I'm picking up spears and I'm throwing them at them. And it's like, why am I sabotaging these relationships? Like, why do I keep going to like all these other churches and trying to find all these other friends? And then even when I get in a church, why am I living so fake within the, the context of community that God is providing me and then finding myself being a little judgmental? And I think Jesus would say, I'll, I'll show you why. It's because the only person who was ever designed to be your scapegoat was not John or Joel or Jeff or Jabin or Shannon or Stephanie. All of these people have feet of clay, every one of them. But you need to take that sin off of them. And you need to look before me and, and see Jesus as the author and the finisher of your faith. That I took your sin on myself so that you could walk free from that sin. And it's time for healing. And you know how you're going to find that healing? They will lay hands on the sick. And the sick shall be made whole. They will lay hands. Is someone close enough to touch you? I want healing. They will lay hands on the sick. Is someone, have you allowed someone, well, I guess I should say, are you willing to allow someone be the hands and feet of Jesus in your life, to overlook their feet of clay, and to come into a context of true community. This, and, and what we do with, with churches for groups, it is not uh, something that is, is cute uh, and um, those things. It is, it is something that is wonderfully and beautifully necessary, that we cannot forsake the assembly of ourselves together. And this other paralytic had a guy, had four actually, four crazy faith friends. And you, I know you've heard this preach before. Everybody in their life needs four crazy faith friends uh, who will pick you up and take you to Jesus. But it's true, you do. And what I love about this man is he had enough conviction in his heart to allow these four men to pick him up. And in his, secure, in his insecurity, knowing he cannot walk, to be willing to be carried for a season. You can't get there. And I, I, I get emotional because I, I preach for burden. And I just sense so many people like you haven't been able to get there. Whereas they're happy. It's like you have no legs to walk on. And for a season, you need to be carried. Don't worry, Jesus is gonna heal your legs. But for a season, you need to be carried. You need some people who can lay their hands on you and give you life. And they carried this man to where Jesus was. And the house was so thick uh, that they couldn't get in, but they would not be denied. They're going to get their friend to Jesus. And so they, they drug him up on top of a house. I can't imagine how much labor this was uh, to take a full-grown man and to lift him 
without the aid of all the things we have now, ladders and whatnot, to the top of a house. And then they tore the roof off the house (laughs) and placed the man in front of Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus looked up and it says he saw their faith. Because I'm telling you today, you need a your faith. You need a moment where you stand and you worship and you praise and you fight through the tears and you encourage your own self and the Lord and good private devotionals and moments where you drag yourself to church and moments where you just make it happen and you pull through. You need a your faith because your faith can make you whole. But I'm telling you today too, you need a their faith. Because there are going to be sometimes you don't have the legs underneath you to run where you need to run to. And for a season, you need to be carried by some people that you not, not only need to pray with them, you, you have some people who are praying for you and like genuinely praying for you. And where are you going to find that if not here with this tribe, with this group, with this family, with this church? Stretch forth your hand. Open up your life. Get some friendships. Laugh again. Be transparent again. And wait till it's safe. Wait till it's safe. You'll know when it is. But let's heal. Let's nourish and not just numb. Let's not just sense a stirring when we come into this church. But let's actually let it be a house of miracles how they will lay hands on the sick and the sick they will recover you will you will recover let me pray for you Father we thank you in the name of Jesus that your people they will recover They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will walk and they will not grow weary. They will run and they will not faint. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name that they are being carried on eagles' wings today. And Father, I just thank you for a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit. I, I thank you, Father, for a new community and life being formed and developed in their life. Let people find friends. Let people walk in the context of community. Let us not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you're here and you say, Pastor Joel, I want to surrender my life to Jesus today. And this could be for the first time or or there have been many times in my life where a message spoke to me or the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and I knew I needed to take a step towards him with some open sign of surrender. And some of you have focused so much on perfection that you have forgotten that that is not what God wants from you. He does not want your perfection. If you could be perfect, you wouldn't need Jesus. What he wants is your surrender. Quit trying to be the hero of your story and let Jesus be. And if you're here and you need to let Jesus be the hero, you need a saving today. 
could be from something, could be from hell, could be from depression, could be from worry and fear, but you need a saving today and you want to invite Jesus in your life in a fresh and a new way. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If that's you, would you lift up your hand all over this place? Hands going up, amen. Anybody else? Hands going up. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Anybody else? Hands, I see them. God bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's all pray this prayer together. Just repeat it after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. My past, it is behind me. And Father, I thank you. A new day is starting right now. Jesus, I lay all of my mistakes, all of my sins, all of my failures over upon you. And Father, I thank you that you give me peace, forgiveness, and mercy. Father, my best days are starting right now, and I thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up today for everybody who made a decision. Oh, come on, church! Let's give it up for everybody that made a decision. We love you guys. Thank you so much.